Well, this morning, we're going to continue our series in the book of 1 Samuel, and I have titled this message, Enough is Enough. And you may be wondering what this means. This might be in reference to politics. It might be in reference to a lot of things, COVID, all these things, right? Enough is enough, right? Well, you'll see what. Yeah, it might be in reference to the entire year of 2020, right? So let's look at what we're talking about here. And I'm going to ask you, if you will, take your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 Samuel. We're going to look at verses 27 through 36 today. Now, just a reminder of where we are in the book of 1 Samuel. The sons of Eli, Eli was the high priest at the tabernacle, right? And his sons were scoundrels, right? They were wicked men, Hophni and Phinehas. They were just wicked guys. They did terrible things in the temple. They took the best parts of the meats of the sacrifices, which they weren't supposed to do, because according to God's law, they were only supposed to take certain pieces, and they were taking other stuff, and they were supposed to take the meat after it was boiled, but they wanted it raw because they wanted, they wanted a beef roast on Sunday. They even seduced the women who were working outside the temple, and Eli tried to tell his sons that, guys, you've got to change your ways, Right? In uh, verse, uh, whoops, I didn't put the verse in here. Okay, in verse 25, just before this, it says, Eli's sons would not listen to their father, for the Lord was already planning to put them to death. And we talked about how scary that thought is. The Lord, was, the Lord had already said that he had given up on these guys, right? So let's look at a prophetic message and look at what happens. Because Eli's sons were like, ah, dad, come on, you're just old. Don't, you know, whatever. Starting in verse 27, it says this. It says, one day a prophet came to Eli and gave him this message from the Lord. Didn't I reveal myself to your ancestors when the people of Israel were slaves in Egypt? I chose your ancestor Aaron from among all his relatives to be my priest, to offer sacrifices on my altar, to burn incense, and to wear the priestly garments as he served me. And I assign the sacrificial offerings to you priests. So why do you scorn my sacrifices and offerings? Why do you honor your sons more than me? Ouch. For you and they have become fat from the best offerings of my people. God has now rejected the priesthood of Eli and his sons. And even though God has selected Eli's ancestors to be the priests, of the, uh, the priests of the Lord over all of Israel, this prophet announces to Eli that his priesthood and the priesthood of his family was now going to end. But wait a minute. It was Eli's sons that were doing all the bad stuff, right? But the problem is Eli allowed it to continue. What he should have done is he should have told his sons, hey, you guys need to get right or you need to get out, right? But what did the, what did the, the uh, prophet say? He said, uh, God's words, why do you honor your sons more than you honor me? You might say this demonstrates Eli did love his sons more than he loved God. But God had had enough. God had had enough. Look at what it says next. And uh, there's an outline in the bulletin if you want to write some notes down and uh, anything strikes you. And the second thought this morning is this, cleaning house. Look at verse, starting in verse 30, it says this. 
Therefore, the prophet's not done yet. Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel says, the terrible things that you are doing cannot continue. I had promised that your branch of the tribe of Levi would always be my priests. But I will honor only those who honor me. And I will despise those who despise me. I will put an end to your family so that it will no longer serve as my priests. All the members of your family will die before their time. None will live to a ripe old age. You will watch with envy as I pour out, as I pour out prosperity on the people of Israel. But no members of your family will ever live out their days. Those who are left alive will live in sadness and grief and their children will die a violent death. And to prove that what I have said will come true, I will cause your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, to die on the same day. So, the prophet continues. Not only would they no longer be priests, but their family line was going to die out. Eli would be the last old man of his family line. Their actions would bring God's judgment on their entire family house. Now this may seem a little harsh, okay? So you got two sons and a dad here that, that God is punishing, but the whole family is being punished. After all, what did the other people do wrong? Well, we see this many times in Scripture when God pours out his wrath. We see this in the book of Joshua after they took the, the, uh, the city of Jericho and God said, don't take any of the spoils. And what happened was Achan had taken some of the spoils. And when they figured out that's what had happened, what did God tell them to do? Achan was killed, his wife was killed, his family was killed, everything that he owned was burned. And we might say, wow, that just seems so harsh. But what we need to recognize and what we need to appreciate when we look at those things is how much God hates sin. Which is why we so desperately need a Savior. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. The Lord had promised Aaron's descendants would always serve as priests for the Lord. But, as we see here, some priests were not faithful to the Lord. And because of this, Eli's family would forfeit their covenant blessing from God. God was cleaning house. Look at verse 30 again and look at what it says. It says, um, oops, well trust me, this is what it says. I had promised that your branch of the tribe of Israel would always be my priests, but I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who despise me. Eli honored his sons more than he honored God, and to show Eli that this was truly a message from God, his sons would die on the same day. But then who will be the priests, and who will tend to the tabernacle? So glad you asked that question. So we're going to talk about finding the faithful. As we continue on, and we look at verses 35 and 36, and this is what it says. It says this, Then I will raise up a faithful priest who will serve me and do what I tell him to do. I will bless his descendants and his family, will be priests to my anointed kings forever. Then all of your descendants will bow before his descendants, begging for money and food. Please, they will say, give us jobs among the priests so that we will have enough to eat. 
You see, the Lord was not going to end the office of priest and the responsibility of priest, but he was going to put someone in charge who was faithful. You, you might guess who that might be, considering the name of the book is Samuel. And his family will be God's anointing, anointed priests. And then God, although Eli's line, Eli's line would end, God declared that he will always have a faithful priest serving him. Now, that's the story for today. And you may go, okay, that's interesting. Well, what are the lessons that can be learned from this? And I think there is a lot that we can learn from this. And um, we only have so much time, so let's see if we can pick out a few things. Uh, the question is, what can we learn from this passage? Do we just read an Old Testament story and go, oh yeah, that's a nice story, you know, those Eli's sons, boy, they were bad guys and they got what they deserved. Is that the end of the story? No. You have to remember, first of all, when we talked about when we started this study on the book of 1 Samuel, remember what the state of Israel was. In the book of Judges, it said more than once, it described Israel's actions as everyone did as he saw fit. That's a perfect description of Eli's sons, isn't it? They did as they saw fit. Instead of conducting themselves in a manner that God had called them to, not only as men of Israel, but as priests, they decided, eh, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. And they probably thought, Man, we got it made. This priest gig is pretty slick. This priest gig is awesome. God, God's prophet said to Eli, he said, you and your sons, you're, you're getting fat off of my sacrifices. Remember, it said that when there was a sacrifice, they could take the cheek meat and they could take one leg. And even said which leg they could take and the stomach stuff. I don't know why everybody would want the stomach stuff, but that's okay. Um, but what they were doing is they were taking the choicest pieces of meat, they were taking the meat before it was boiled, and all these different things. What God had given them, what God had said, you will have, was not enough. And they must have thought again, we got it made here. Look at how we're doing. And we're cool because we're covered by God's promise, right? Remember, God promised our family that we would continue as priests. This is an awesome gig, right? We're doing what we want. We're under God's protection because he made a promise. And after all, we've been doing this for years. Nothing bad has happened so far, right? But friends, there comes a point in all of this where God says enough is enough. I want you to understand this. God is gracious. And we know that God is patient, right? After all, he's patient with each one of us, right? Boy, that's a good thing, huh? Look at what God told Israel through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 48. It says this. It says, yes, I will tell you of things that are entirely new, for I know so well what traitors you are. You have been rebels from your earliest childhood, rotten through and through, yet... For my own sake and for the honor of my name, I will hold back my anger and not wipe you out. What is that? That's mercy. God is saying, this is what you deserve. You need to be wiped out. But God says, no, no. 
I will hold back my anger. But we see in this story that there does come a point where God says, enough is enough. We've seen this throughout history of the Bible, right? Noah's flood, Sodom and Gomorrah, many others, where God said, enough is enough. We read how patient God is, and it makes me wonder sometimes, where does, where does it, what point does it have to get to when God's patience is done? And he says, enough is enough. Because you see, a fool believes, well, God hasn't done anything yet. Why should I change my behavior? I did it yesterday, things were fine. Why shouldn't I do it today? Look what Paul said to the church in Ephesus. He says this. He says, Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the terrible anger of God comes upon all those who disobey Him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For though your hearts were once full of darkness, now you are full of light from the Lord, and your behavior should show it. What's he saying? You're a child of God. Act like it. Act like it. But see, friends, the world looks at us, and the non-believer looks at us and says, Where is your God? Where's your God in the midst of this pandemic? Where's your God in the midst of this, in the midst of that? Look at the, the hurricanes that are coming and the people are losing their lives. Or look at this innocent person who died. Where is your God in all this? I haven't been, and, and some people are thinking on the inside, yeah, I haven't been living a life for God. And look at me, I'm doing good. Where's your God? Who needs your God? They might even say. But look what Paul said to the church in Rome. He said this, God has every right to exercise his judgment and his power. But he also has the right to be very patient with those who are the objects of his judgment and are fit only for destruction. He also has the right to pour out the riches of his glory upon those he prepared to be the objects of his mercy, even upon us whom he selected. You see, God's patience and mercy, friends, are a huge, huge blessing. I don't know how often you think about that. How amazing and how awesome it is that God is patient with us and that God is merciful with us. But friends, they are also a warning to mankind. Jesus is coming back. Go back to Romans again. Paul says this. I love this. Don't you realize how kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Or don't you care? Can't you see how kind he has been in giving you time to turn from your sin? But no, you won't listen. So you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself because of your stubbornness in refusing to turn from your sin. There is going to come a day of judgment when God, the just God of all the world, will judge all people according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who persist in doing what is good, seeking after the Lord and and honor and immortality that God offers. But he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and practice evil deeds. You see, for many people, they want us to ask that question, where is your God? And they want you to not have an answer because the last thing they want is to yield themselves to God and say, God, you're the boss, I'm not. 
You're Lord, I'm not. You're in control, I'm not. That is what was going on with Eli's sons. They were saying, God, we know what you say. We know what your rules are. We know what the law says. But you know what? This is better for us, so we're going to do it our own way. We're going to do things the way we want to do them, and we're going to make decisions that are about us, not about you, God. That's a scary thought for mankind. Paul says, don't you realize how tolerant and patient God is? Friends, sometimes I wonder, what if Jesus would have come back in January of 1989? And some of you are going, what? What's special about that? You see, I didn't know Jesus is my Lord and Savior yet. He could have come back then. Praise God that he was patient. Praise God that he waited. Because we know, friends, Jesus is coming back, right? Every day he delays his return is an opportunity for us to share the gospel with another person. That is the awesome thing about God's patience and his mercy. God waits, you know, and I sometimes wonder if he thinks, just one more, just one more, just one more for the kingdom, just one more for the kingdom. And at what point is God going to say, enough is enough? I don't know about you, but that... That idea of God looking at mankind and getting to the point of saying enough is enough. Wow, is that scary. Eli's sons did not fear God. They did not know God. They did not recognize God for who he is. We live in a world, a fallen world, full of sin and a world where so many don't recognize God for who he is. Sadly, for many, is because they just have not heard the truth. Oh, sure, there are others who are defiant, but there are many who need to hear the message of the gospel. And, you know, even back when we were in college, and I was talking to my brother about this yesterday, that there are days where we say, you know what, Jesus, today would be a good day. It'd be a great day for you to come back today. But you know, when I say that, I'm being selfish, aren't I? Because there are others who still need to know Jesus. And every day the Lord gives us, every day the Lord gives us is another opportunity for us to share the truth of the gospel. We should not waste it, friends. We should not waste it. Because we, knew, we know that there is a point. We know there will be a point. Where God says, okay, enough's enough. Enough's enough. I don't know how he holds that balance. I don't know how he holds that balance of his, of his mercy, his grace, his patience, and the sin of mankind. I, I don't know when that scale tips. But I do know this. It didn't tip today or yet. Right? Every day is an opportunity. Amen? Amen? Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and your truth, and I pray that we would be committed, diligent, and passionate about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with others. 
we know that you are patient, Lord, and I praise you and I thank you for your patience in my life. And I thank you for the patience in others as there are others who will come to know you as Savior and Lord. So as we leave today, may we go in the strong name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, empowered by your Holy Spirit, carrying the good news of the gospel, carrying your truth to a lost world who so desperately needs you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have a blessed day.